Welcome, welcome, welcome to introducing a podcast series that shares states, makers, shapers, and originals. I'm Matt Carnes, and with me, as always, is my friend and colleague, Paula Segura. Hi, Paula. Hi, Matt. Hi, state listeners. So today we're focusing on, well, sort of a lot of topics that kind of boil down to like universal design principles and thinking of accessibility and how we can make everything equitable across for all students. Agreed. It's a, there are a lot of topics covered. I find that I'm always learning more about state services. The Landlorder Success Center is such an umbrella and a hub for student staff. Mm. Uh, so today we have Lenore Norris. She's the manager of the Lab Learner Success Center here at SAIT and we'll be speaking to her about the new accessibility toolkit, which is sounds amazing and it's now available on SAIT now. We're here with Lenore and we have some questions around this new accessibility toolkit. Um, so accessibility services is uh, within LAM Learner Success Center um, and I'm the manager for LAM. Um, and um, our accessibility services has three advisors, an adaptive technologist and an admin person. Um, and for many years, we've been talking about having a toolkit or a reference guide for faculty and staff. Um, that's more of an easy point of reference um, for them to be able to access information uh, instead of reaching out to the advisors, which is more than welcome as well, um, but having to wait for a response. You know, if they just have a quick question about accessibility or about their students, um, you know, we wanted this like one location where, where everything sat. Um, but, you know, with COVID and everything and, and loss of resources, uh, it took a lot longer than we had anticipated. Um, John Partington then revived it um, as part of the EDI strategy. And, and then we started thinking, well, we, we really need to get on this. Um, mm -hmm. And then with COVID, having that easy access to information is so important, especially in a virtual world. So um, in the last few months, uh, we sat down and we started to, to iron out, you know, what we wanted to see in this guide, um, mm -hmm. in this toolkit and, you know, 30 pages later, we were like, okay, now we have to <laughs> upload it and we have to make it look nice, right? We didn't want it to just be a, a PDF uh, mm. format. We wanted something that is is very user friendly with some accessible headings that uh, faculty and staff can just go in and select what they want to what they want to see. So um, that's what we have now, and we're we're very excited about how it looks. Ah, and so where can where can faculty and staff find the accessibility toolkit? So right now it's in SAIT now and if you type in accessibility services, uh, it will pop up. So it's really it's embedded within our page. Uh, all of the headings are on the left hand side and uh, once they click on that, then they can find out, you know, the information that they want. Uh, and we also have this wonderful list of uh, FAQs. Um, and it's based upon all of the questions that we've received over the years. 
Um, and that is something that we are going to continue to grow as well, um, because there's always there's always new information we want to share and get out there. Um, so that is one thing that we will be keeping up to date and probably um, replenishing monthly, I would say. Yeah, I think this is a, a really great resource and that kind of the landing page for everybody. One of the things, you know, Lenore, that Caddy works um, you know, along with faculty is when we get into, you know, curriculum maintenance and curriculum review is looking for those opportunities um, to embed it, you know, the UDL principles. Um, we also speak to it <clears throat> very blatantly in, you know, our courses like PADO and EPTO, where it's in, entwined in there. So having having more of this and where we can begin to kind of link out is going to be so, so much more uh, valuable and and useful. Um, I, I'm curious to kind of maybe better understand. So, from you know the FSQ, the FAQs, and the toolkit itself, what are some of the big takeaways? Like, um, you know, those big ticket items that maybe we're not super familiar with, and this could be kind of a spot to go and kind of check out. You know, those kind of that low hanging fruit. Yeah. Is there? Um. I, I think it, one of the big questions that we often get from faculty and, and from staff is, um, you know, how are accommodation decisions made? Mm. You know, what guides our decision making and what are what are common accommodations based upon uh, certain disabilities? Now, we don't disclose the disability, um, but we have given examples in here of, of what, you know, um, you know, a student with ADHD, what an accommodation would look like for that particular student. And I think it's important. Um, for faculty and staff to have that understanding, to know, um, you know, what are some typical accommodations uh, and why why we do accommodate, why we have a duty to accommodate. And, and you know, we always sound like a bit of a, a broken record um, talking about human rights legislation and, and all of that now is in there and they can go in and, and look at it themselves and say, oh, you know, I, I get that. I get this is why we're doing it. Um, a big t another big takeaway is is having them understand, um, you know, that that giving an accommodation does not give a student an advantage. Um, and that is that's, you know, been an argument we've had for several years. But um, just to provide more context around how it levels the playing field for the student with the disability. Um, and so that is captured in there as well. And I think that's important. It's important for staff um, and faculty to see that, you know, we don't just make random decisions when it comes to accommodation. Uh, there's there's a rhyme behind our, our there's a method behind our madness. I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's <laughs> for them to see as well. Yeah, and the idea of, you know, the universal for universal design for learning is about equity. It's not yes. about a, a leg up, right? And then so how do we find equity in our content and delivery and and things like that as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and I have to say I appreciate the FAs, the FAQs a lot because I like um the the flip perspective, right? It's like, hey, what if I have or I have this situation and it's very scenario based, I find, right? So, um go in there and, and yeah, definitely poke around. So, <clears throat> the, yeah, super super helpful in how it's in how it's phrased for sure. It is. It is. And like I said, we'll continue to add to those questions as we get more questions. Um, and we do encourage our faculty and staff, if the question, if, if they have a question that's not in there, 
you know, throw it at us and, and you know, we'll formulate an answer or response and we'll put it in there, um, you know, for other other faculty and staff who may have a similar question. Um, we want this to be very user friendly. We want it to be, you know, easily, easily accessible um, for our faculty, you know, if they have a question. And and another thing that we, you know, we want is is we want to emphasize that not all accommodations have to happen. You know, we've captured that in the FAQs as well. It's, you know, just because um, a student requests an accommodation, it doesn't mean that it's going it's going to occur. Uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. We might come up with something very similar, um, but just because it's requested doesn't mean that it has to happen. You know, it has it has to be reasonable and we've captured that as well. So in Lenore, your um, yours in the team's vision regarding this. So let's say I'm a new academic chair and I don't know anything about the state community, but I want to learn more about um, the Lab Learner Success Center. Would you say the accessibility toolkit would be the first one stop shop and then I, I, I sort of go from there? How do I navigate? So uh, LAM is also captured in, in SAIT now. So, I mean, that would be my first suggestion is uh, to look up uh, LAM Learner Success Center in SAIT now because we have so many different areas. Um, you know, we have financial advising, we have our testing services, we have our academic coaching, our tutoring, and our accessibility services. So accessibility is just one aspect. Yep. Um, so there's so many different areas. Um, I mean, the accessibility toolkit is obviously the most robust right now, mm -hmm. um, but there is also other information in there regarding, you know, the other services that we provide. And we're also interconnected, like anybody who comes into LAMP <laughs> generally accesses more than one service at a time. Yeah, you talk about your the, the testing services and, and obviously that's used in you know, in connection with the accessibility services, um, but but even beyond as well too. So, um, how has the testing services changed, kind of over the last I don't know two two years, and how do you see it kind of progressing forward? Um, it's changed dramatically um, it, with COVID. Uh, instructors were were forced. Um, and uh, I mean, forced in a good way. We were all forced to become more virtual um, and exams started to happen in a virtual environment and uh, instructors started to invigilate their own uh, exams for students with disabilities. So testing wasn't really that involved in it. Uh, they started to take on other projects. Um, so that was such an advance, um, you know, and towards UDL for all students, you know, they started to uh, record classes, which is not just for students with accommodations, but for all students, it's beneficial. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. um, same with exams, exams uh, became uh, virtual, it was easier to give students more time. Um, and what we found is that um, instructors started to provide those services for all students, uh, which was such an advancement. Uh, coming back on campus, it's been um, it's been a little challenging. Uh, we be, due to our limited resources, we are only open for students with accommodations right now. Um, and the the traffic has definitely decreased. I do see an increase in coming in January when we're all back face to face. <laughs> um, but there, I mean, there's certain things that we don't want to lose. Is it's that that ease of of um, accessibility for all of our students. 
um, and um, just the advancements that we've made in the in technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to lose that, um, you know, no paper-based exams. And, and that was fantastic. You know, we saved on a printing budget. Uh, so, I mean, there's certain things that we'd like to see continue, but um, I guess time will dictate. Are you seeing the assessments themselves change? So, yes. so switching or turning away from less of the, you know, multiple choice type of testing and quizzing and exams, and moving to more of a, a, an authentic type yeah. of uh, assessment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Students were given options. You know, they could do group work. They could do assignments. They didn't mm-hmm. always have to sit in an exam, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, there's been issues, obviously, with cameras, um, and that was something that was taken forward with SAITSA. Um, and it, it does have an impact on some of our students with disabilities. So uh, to, to give them an alternate format, of uh, demonstrating their knowledge has been fantastic, and and I really hope that is that continues. And again, it's just not for students that have accessibility needs. It's it's UDL principles, absolutely, right? and and uh, and allowing those paths for for whoever. Um, yeah, a- absolutely. So we gotta <laughs> we gotta keep the bus moving, right? Post COVID and 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 all those great things that we've we've learned over the past two years. How do we keep them applying? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's very easy to go back to the old way of doing things. Right. But um, I think we've grown as an institution and uh, and I'd like to see that continue. And and students have benefited. I mean, you know, COVID has been very difficult for a, for a number of our students and, and moving to an online environment is, is very hard when we're an applied institution. Uh, however, I think we've done very well. Um, and like I said, there are some principles that we've picked up, like recording classes and, and things like that, that have been such an advantage to to many of our students and not just those with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate uh, the fact that instructors have come on board. Um, you know, they've become more flexible. Yes. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, and in the past that was very difficult right it was it was very difficult with you know you have a full class and one of the students requires accommodations and just trying to coordinate that but uh, I, I think when you're forced to in a virtual world you find easier ways of doing things and and uh, I think all like I said all the students have benefited from that and and instructors have been fantastic I they really have um, you know in, in spite of some of the technical difficulties that they may have had, um, but really great at accommodating all students. And uh, and I'd hate to see that be lost. Um, and I'm seeing that, like even, like I said, testing is open right now and our numbers are not near as high. So obviously it's continuing. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a great sign. You yeah. know, the other area of, of uh, LAM Learner Services that, that you support and support faculty, but ultimately it's supporting students. And maybe not a lot of people know about is supporting, uh, you know, group work and group presentations. Yep, absolutely. So what do you do do in there to be able to, you know, help facilitate student group work? Because it's it's everywhere across campus. I would be hard pressed to find um, a program or a course that doesn't involve some sort of, uh, you know, student group work. Yep. Um, so that is that's the area uh, within academic coaching. I believe that they developed uh, a workshop in group work mm-hmm. um, 
in, in teaching. I mean, and there's so many aspects because student development and counseling has um, um, helps students with group work and it's mostly the dynamics and the personalities um, and some of the difficulties of group work. Um, but yeah, so that's that's usually through academic coaching and mm -hmm. they can meet with groups of students, they can meet with individual students and they can also work with faculty uh, in hosting presentations in classroom on, on how students can behave in groups and how they can work in groups. Um, and the important yeah, and that's what I love about it, right? It is that let's come in, especially if you have a course, this is how I see it, you know, hypothetically, you have a course that may have a large group project that is is maybe more heavily weighted than mm -hmm. other assessments or maybe it has a capstone project that you where you're working in groups yes. so there's a lot of you know there's a lot of value in there so to come in and and to talk about you know behaviors during the group and how you know students can you know uh, support interpersonal behaviors and 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 stuff like that as well right yeah. is um because they're all in it together and it's and it's a win-win uh, sort of thing. So um, that was certainly an area that um, I know faculty always struggle with, you know, conducting group work, using group work. We always hear it from students as well, too, and maybe the frustrations that the students have. So maybe this is an avenue just to, you know, to get ahead of it and be able yep. to support both faculty and students. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and I mean, other aspects of group work is citation, right? And, and yes. uh, student rights and responsibilities and policies and procedures around academic conduct and, and how, you know, group members are responsible for the entire group, right? So, you know, we, we have uh, presentations on that. We work with the library in, in citation. Um, and also our writing. Uh, we have a writing coach and, and she works with students and groups of students um, in making sure that their, you know, their papers are uh, up to up to par. Right. And and uh, that they've covered their bases when they're when they're writing their papers. So there's so many aspects that uh -huh. the academic coaches assist with, like and can work directly with students and are always available to go into a classroom. All you have to do is reach out to them. Uh, they love going in and, and doing these presentations and and assisting with entire classes and uh you know in, instead of individuals you know you're kind of killing two birds with one stone right it's like you're getting the entire group um and they just love that thing right they just you know it works well for them it's just this catch-22 thing right in the sense that it's like okay there's so much value in uh you know an academic coach coming into my classroom and you know spending some time with my students and spending 45 minutes in the class right but then faculty's like oh that's it's um I, I don't have that time in my schedule to allow for it and it's one of those it's like investing the time gives you the time on the back end of the schedule potentially as well and the quality and the students meeting the outcome of of the course right increases and things like that so it's really tough i i totally appreciate how it can be tough for faculty to kind of um you know think about that as well yeah, it's it is hard. Um, but what we have found is when we do get in front of that class, you're right. The benefit is it definitely outweighs uh, the loss of time. And uh, you know, as we've done an outreach to faculty, and we get in a classroom, we find that they keep asking us back semester after semester, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because they know what they know that value. And for our students, we have our success seminars, and they run. Um, they're still virtual. We we have found that the virtual environment seems to be more beneficial for our students uh, because they can access us at any time rather than having to come into a physical space 
Um, we so we've remained virtual for for our seminars because they work so well. But like I said, we have seminars for students. We we have things that we can do for faculty, and we can work with faculty to have something customized as well. It's it's very difficult now because we are fully back on campus. Our area is um, yeah. not seeing a lot of the students in there, and and I guess this is because I mean in our area we still have to have the the social distancing because we're not a uh, a technical learning environment, uh, so we're not seeing the student traffic come in. Um, but when when instructors and and students come in, it's like we're rushing to the door. It's like oh hey how are you doing? <laughs> it's uh, they're getting an abundance of help. Uh, from us because we're so so excited to see faces and see people um so it's um it's fun to be back but like i like i said i mean it will be nice to be fully fully face to face but to have some of that that hybrid um because um like even staff it's their you know having that one day or two days a week working from home has been very valuable for them mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Well, Lenore, thanks very much for this. I think it was it's it's brilliant uh, to be able to uh, you know check in with you and um, hear about the accessibility checklist, the accessibility tool uh, toolkit. Um, again, it's on state now. <clears throat> Have a look. It is it is really rich in content. And in addition to all the other things that you can support, whether it's through UDL or testing services or academic coaching or whatever the case may be those are all really great practices that you know we all can intertwine into our our daily practices as well so um thanks for this and thanks thanks very much for your time yeah yeah thank you appreciate it well there you have it folks a new accessibility toolkit is available yeah, you know what the 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 best thing I thought from the uh, when I look at the accessibility toolkit, and we were talking about it quite a bit with Lenore, was the uh, frequently asked questions, the FA, FAQs, and mm -hmm. I really liked the perspective that they took. You know, what if? Um, because you know, being faculty myself and being you know coming from the classroom, I've I know I've been in those situations when you know somebody hands me an accessibility form or a student poses this question. Um, so what a great resource to be able to go to. I agree, Matt, and the, the fact that it's ever evolving, Lenore and her team will continue to add to it. It's information at your fingertips, especially in this hybrid world. Yeah, and, and the idea too that she, you know, brought up about, you know, being a, being a little bit proactive and, you know, having LAM Learner Services actually get into the classrooms and talk about, you know, group dynamics and, and, and things like that. It, what a great strategy to be able to implement into your, you know, into your class and into your course map. Thanks for listening, State Community. We really appreciate um, our numbers are actually going higher, aren't they, Matt? Yeah, we're getting a lot of um, listeners, which is, yeah, it's awesome. That's exactly mm. what we wanted. That is exactly what we wanted. <laughs> um, so, folks, if you'd like to nominate anyone or even yourself to be our next guest, um, please reach out to Caddy or check out the Caddy SharePoint site. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to Introducing Presented by Caddy on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, 
or wherever it is that you subscribe to your favorite podcast. Till next time. Thanks, everybody.